0: Welcome to the Water and Stone Podcast. You are listening to episode 105. We'd like to share our Sunday worship service for February 17th, 2019. The title is, It's Like a Diamond, and it is the seventh in the series, It's Like This. We don't have to wait for God to show up. He's been waiting for us all along. So our scripture today is John four twenty four. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Now, if you know your Bible, you know that this comes from the end of a long conversation. It's one of those moments. Early in the ministry of Jesus, you have these little moments where people kind of came up with quiz questions. It's almost like the dating game. People had these questions. Okay, if you know so much, what about X, Y, and Z? Later on, People, you know, you get to Palm Sunday, for example. People know who he is and what he's all about. But at the beginning, there's a lot of questions about how does this work and how does that work? And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I find myself in that part of my spiritual development. I know what Jesus stands for. I know about that. But in my life right now, what do I do about it? And those questions of what do I do about it are really important. And Jesus, having this conversation with this woman at the well, And she says, okay, you're so smart. Where do we go to worship? You know, my people, she's saying, they go up to the top of the mountain because that's big and we've seen the movies and that's where you're supposed to go. And your people are saying that we're supposed to be at the temple down in the city in Jerusalem. And where is it? Where do we go to get God? That's at the nucleus of the question. And by the way, if you're trying to understand a religious path or some kind of spiritual something, that's a really valuable question. Where do you go to get God? Because if somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I found out about this amazing spiritual teacher, this guru, or this book, or this whatever it is, ask them that question. There's probably a nicer way to say it, but at the end of the day, ask the question, well, where do you go to get God? Oh, well, you've got to get on a plane, and you've got to go do this thing, and you've got to wear special pants, and whatever. Okay, hang on. Now you know something that you didn't know before. Where do you go to get God? And in fact, ask yourself that about your life. Is there a special place you have to be in order to feel special? Because if God is everywhere, maybe I'm only making a little bit of room for God to show up in my life. Maybe it's time to open something up. So she says to Jesus, where is it? Top of the mountain in the valley, where is it? Is it Largo? Where am I supposed to go to get more God? It's not Largo. (laughs) And you might expect... The Sunday school answer to that question. Every Sunday school kid goes, where is God? God is everywhere, right? You've heard that one before. It's very common, popular answer. And yet, that's not what Jesus says. He doesn't give location at all. In fact, it's a typical Jesus Christ lateral thinking outside the box answer to a very straightforward seeming question. He doesn't say it's here or there. He doesn't say it's nowhere. He doesn't say it's everywhere because the point, and this is kind of deep, we'll get there, don't worry. The point is God is not a matter of location at all. God is not any kind of anywhere-ness. God is beyond physicality. And so what Jesus says instead of God is everywhere, now let's color. He says God is spirit And whoever worships God has to worship in terms of spirit and truth. In other words, he's saying, it's not about where you go. It's about what you see. That word spirit, God is not a physicality. God is not a place. God is not something that you buy in a store. God is the spirit, that deep breath that breathed out across the waters at the beginning of the universe. God is that deep breath that you hear a baby breathe when you know they're okay. God is that breath that you take right before you do the important thing, right before the plunge, you know? God is that moment. They who worship God worship in spirit and truth. In other words, it's not about where you go. It's about what you take in spirit and what you say and do about it. They who worship God worship, but in terms of what they take in and what they do about it. And if you do that, it doesn't matter where you are or when you are, but rather that you are is what becomes important. When we came up with that, God is good; you are good; go do good. This Spirit and Truth passage is very important to us. It's kind of a big deal, you know. We are in a a a quote unquote temporary campus. You know what I mean? We don't own this building. And there's a lot of challenging things about having to kind of have church in a box when we show up and all of the things we do to set up. And we never know what this room is going to look like or smell like when we walk in and all kinds of stuff like that. There's challenges inherent in that. But one of the beautiful things about a quote-unquote temporary space is it helps us remember that church is not the building. Church is not the carpet or the walls or whatever or the stains on the walls. Church is us. Church is the spirit and truth of this moment. Church happens, yes, it happens on Sunday morning, but church also happens on Saturday when we're doing a service project. Or on Sunday night if we go watch the sunset. Or on Tuesday or Thursday when we're at men's group or women's group. Or when you see somebody from your church in the store. Church happens when you happen in spirit and in truth. When you remember who you are and you do something about it. But I'm telling you something you already know. Jesus was very clear about it, but going back a little bit further, there's a commandment about not making false idols, and we know about that. Nobody's accidentally worshipping golden calves. We get it. And us human beings are very smart. We're very good at just changing the nouns around and keeping our thinking the same way. You know what I mean? Well, I don't see that person anymore, but I have the same fights with a different person. Well, you just changed the nouns. You didn't change your mindset. You didn't change your heart. Some people stop worshiping the golden calf, but they go, oh, in order to get God, I've got to buy a special crystal that vibrates at the right frequency. And then, really, that's how God works for you? All you did is change the nouns. It's just a golden cow. It's just a little more portable, maybe more expensive. I don't worship that physical thing, so I've just switched to this new physical thing that's shinier and cooler, because it's in a cooler store. Well, that's not different, but we know that. We have gotten past that idea, and we are very, very comfortable with this idea. And here's the formula for today. This is what I want you to remember. If it omits, it limits. If it omits, it limits. And what I mean by that is if it leaves something out. In other words, for example, if my God is limited to physical stuff, that leaves out a lot of important things, right? if it omits something it limits my ability to have a life that works to have a love that makes sense and falling in love is a great example of that love is not defined by your ability to buy flowers for somebody you can have flowers and not have love right you can have physical attraction you can have all of those things and not have love love is something deeper that happens and if your concept of what love is omits the important things that really make your heart pump, that really make you realize that thing, that really make you take that deep breath and realize, this is different. If your concept of love leaves that out, if it omits, it limits. And what that means is you're not going to be a very good boyfriend or girlfriend because you think it's all about the flowers, for example. If my idea of God omits the important things, if it's just a physical thing, if God is something I go and do, I've left out too many important things. I've left out too many miracles. So we get past changing the nouns. It's not the golden calf. It's not the crystal. We stop using physical terms. God is not a matter of energy. God doesn't float around like an oil slick. God is more than physical stuff. It doesn't work that way. We know that now. We're very comfortable with the idea that God is not physical. Got it. I talk about that in one way or another a lot. Got it. So we get this idea that, okay, God is not a physical thing. God is not a talisman. And yet, there are so many people who have this idea of God as somebody who's going to show up someday. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever heard somebody or have you ever been somebody who has said, someday my miracle is going to come. Someday my winning lottery ticket. Someday my prince will come. Someday... That thing will happen. My miracle, my growth, my breakthrough, my paradigm shift. Someday, God's going to show up. Well, wait a minute. I've just limited God just in a fancier way. I just changed my nouns. God is not limited by space, but now I've just put God in the context of time. I've said, basically, God is in process. God is not done cooking yet. Ask yourself. Are you comfortable with an idea of God who might show up at some point? Are you comfortable with the idea that spirituality is a matter of wait till your father comes home? A lot of people talk that way. A lot of people think that way. And a lot of people pray that way. The idea that God isn't here yet, but someday. Hmm. But that omits things. It takes God out of the everywhere-ness and it means that God isn't here. Let me put that a different way. I'm sure everybody here is familiar with Einstein's concept of general relativity. We're all experts, right? Don't worry, there's not going to be a test later. Here's the basic basic thing. It's like 1905. And he changed the course of physics by saying, wait a minute, there's no such thing as space and time. Physicists and scientists and smart people all over don't talk about space and time. They talk about space-time. It's all one thing. Time and space are all interconnected. There's only one thing. And so if I get done with that old idea, oh, I know that God's not limited in terms of space, and yet I'm still saying God isn't here yet. I'm still doing the same golden calf garbage I used to do. Let me put that a different way. Whatever your problem is, whatever the thing is that you're trying to overcome, whatever that hurt is or that limitation in your pocketbook, the job that you don't like, the thing, whatever the thing is, it is defined by matters of time and space. And Jesus said, God is not defined by time and space. Or, to really bake your noodle, he said, before Abraham was, I am. For God, it's all just right now. So what I'm trying to tell you is that your miracle, your overcoming of whatever that is, that limited time and space issue, has to do with stepping back into who you always are. It ain't a matter of time and space, because for God, it's here and now. Let me say that another way. Do you talk baby talk to kids? Because you know you're not supposed to, right? You've read those books. You're not supposed to talk baby talk to kids. Did you know that? Why? Why? Because if you talk baby talk to kids, they learn baby talk, right? It's not complicated. And look, Jenny and I figured out parenting kind of just doing our best, I guess like most parents do. And I'm sure we have made colossal errors along the way. And yet, our kids have done pretty well. They started college at 13 and 15, and now they're so much smarter and so much more mature, so much better than we ever were, ever could be. So we had good material to work with. But I think we made some good calls along the way. And one of the things I'm particularly proud of was we didn't talk baby talk, literally or metaphorically, to our kids In other words, when I see this little person, I refuse to see them just in terms of their current set of limitations. I don't talk baby talk to you because you're not always going to be a baby. I don't talk baby talk to you because I see more in you. And no matter what mistakes I made as a dad, I hope that throughout the whole thing, what I saw and what I see, when I look at them, is you are so much more. You are so much bigger than your body gives you credit for. And in fact, the fights that we have with our kids, had and have with our kids, are always about, look, you're more than this. Why are you doing that thing? I see so much more in you. Come on, wake up. You're bigger than that. That's the fight. And that's a fight I will keep fighting, man. It's my job. That's the daddy thing, you know? But don't talk baby talk to kids or they stay small. Ask yourself of the people in your life. Are you helping them stay small by what you say, by how you see? Jenny and I and some other people in this room do work with teenagers, and that is a frightening thing for some people. Kids are scary. Teens are even scarier. I get it. We don't get to do as much right now, but our church is going to grow back into that having a youth group thing and all that stuff. But there were times when we said, well, we do a lot of work with teens, and I've had other ministers say, you're crazy. Teenagers is a terrible audience. You can't trust them. They don't listen. They're always on their phones. They don't have any money to put in the plate. Why would you do that? (laughs) I can't help it. I can't help it for all kinds of reasons. Jenny and I got our start as teens in that group, and so we want to give back. But it's more than that, it's because I've seen something. And those of you who have worked with teens have seen something that is absolutely awesome. I know the world is going to be okay because it's in their hands. There are people that say, you know, those, those teenagers you work with, they're going to, you know, steal your hubcaps, they're going to lie to you, and they're going to be manipulative, and they're not going to listen, and they're, you know, whatever it is these kids are, today are doing with their hula hoops and their gramophone records, whatever it is. <laughs> Just change the nouns. Don't change the mindset, right, if you want to stay small. You know exactly what I mean. But here's what we learned a long time ago. Teenagers will rise to your expectations. So if you treat the teenagers in your life like they're going to do you wrong and steal your hubcaps, they will. Because you have said that's what you expect from them, that's what you want out of them. And they just want to make you happy. It's your fault. Sorry. And I've learned that the hard way. I'm not blaming. I've done it too. I have expected little and gotten little. Haven't you? But if you look at a teen, an adult, a child, anywhere in between, and you say, I am not fooled by your appearances, this drama thing, I get it, but we're going to get past it now because you are a child of God and I refuse to see you as limited in any way. You are so awesome. Let's figure out how your awesomeness can happen right now. Maybe you find a different set of words to express that, but by all means express it because that's the beginning of something changing. How do you talk when you talk to the people in your life? Can you see in terms of potentiality the eternal beauty that's right below the surface, the right now that is present? Can you see it? My wife talks to plants. It's weird. Just about every morning, I make us coffee, and, and she's made this incredible oasis in our backyard, and we sit there, and the weather's still nice in the morning to sit there, and we have our coffee, and we look out, and there's incredible flowers, and we've got wind chimes going, and if you use your imagination, the cars going by sound a little like waves, or maybe humpback whales, I don't know. <laughs> and you sit there, and we listen to it, and it's beautiful, the whale song of a, like a, a 65 Buick going by, and it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. But sooner or later, after we sat there for a minute and had some coffee and talked about how our day is going to look, sooner or later she gets up and she starts working on the plants. And then we've got incredible plants and almost everything is edible and there's beautiful uh, stuff. I don't even know what all of the plants are. It's incredible. They know us at Lowe's in the garden department. I'm the pea gravel guy. Don't, don't even get me started. But she talks and she'll say, "Look, at, Okay, Lavender, what are you doing? You're just getting all over the place. We've got to tidy that up. She talks to plants. Now, studies have shown that if you talk to your plants, they grow better. Why? She's not expecting the plants to talk back. Those are different kinds of plants, and those are illegal. (laughs) She's not expecting them to talk back. That's not why she does it. She's talking because she sees that beyond the appearance there is potential. Beyond the way that things look, there is substance and intelligence and life present in every atom and molecule of the universe. Beyond that, because there is God happening wherever you look. If you can speak to it, if you can see it, you will experience it. How do you talk about the substance of your life? The bits and bobs, the atoms and molecules of your moment. Do you talk in terms of of praise because whatever is going on in your life God put it there can you talk that way people talk about Myrtle Fillmore and that amazing healing that she had when she just got done with tuberculosis that prayer process that she had when she talked to her body and she wasn't expecting her lungs to talk back But she's saying, I speak now to the intelligence present at the core of every atom and molecule, every microbe, every organism in my body. I know that you are more than how you look. You are more than what the doctors say. I see life. I see God happening there. And I'm not fooled by appearances. I know that I'm a child of God and therefore I don't inherit sickness. That's what I speak to. What do you speak to in your life? Because I'm telling you, when you speak, you bring your concept of eternity to bear on the present moment. And that's a lot. I'll say that again. When you speak, you bring your concept of eternity to bear on the present moment. The words you say, if you have a small idea of how the whole thing works, you're going to have a small experience. That's all I'm saying. But if your idea of foreverness is big enough, when you speak, you experience it. It's like casting a spell, it's magic. That's why they call putting words together spelling. But magic isn't like in the movies. You don't make something happen, you allow something to happen. The deep magic is that life and substance and intelligence and spirit is already there, that God is already there. The deep magic is agreeing with something that always was. Yesterday, Jenny and I took a walk through downtown, and it seemed like the whole city was there. It was incredible. And we did a lot of stuff. We went to the farmer's market, and that was cool. But I think that my favorite moment was I was watching this family with their dog, and they let the dog off the leash, which you're not supposed to do. How many miracles happen when you do something you're not supposed to do? That's a separate issue. But the dog saw a squirrel. Squirrel. And I stopped walking to watch this tableau of nature happen. It was a Discovery Channel moment. Now, the parents of the dog knew that the dog wasn't going to catch the squirrel. I knew the dog wasn't going to catch the squirrel. I think the dog knew the dog wasn't going to catch the squirrel. The squirrel sure knew it. Because the dog ran and the squirrel jumped and the squirrel kind of did the thing. And I'm not a veterinarian, but you can tell when an animal is angry by the body language, and you can tell when they're happy. And this dog was delighted to have not caught the squirrel. It was happy. You could tell the tail was wagging, the hair wasn't up on the back of the neck, the whole thing. But there's this thing that happens when you fulfill part of your programming, when you live up to something that you have on the inside, when you're true to the truth of your heart. That dog knows it's supposed to catch squirrels. So it tried, and it was happy. There's stuff that you're supposed to do when you agree with something on the inside, when you see it, and when you talk like it. There's something important that goes on when you get out of the way. And that's really important, because I want to take a minute and talk about the idea of being a co-creator with God. You've heard that before. I am a co-creator. Me and God work together, and look what we did. I am a co-creator. I want to talk about that for a minute because you're not. You're not. The Bible is very clear about that. God creates, you show up for it. You agree with God, you're part of the process. But if you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, you will say to that mountain, Be up and cast into the sea, and it will be done for you. Over and over again, when there's a miracle, Jesus says, Your faith did it. God working through you did it. God does the work. There is only one creator in the universe. It's not my job to work with God. And in fact, it's a little bit egotistical to go, okay, God, what do you got? Let me just fix that for you. And yet there's a lot of people that do that. God gives you life. God gives you love. God gives you the beauty and the majesty of this moment. And sometimes people take that awesome stuff and they do some weird things with it. Is that what you did based on what God gave you? Let's take that back to the workshop. There's something amazing that happens when you step back from that and you decide to agree with something bigger. Imagination is not fabrication. When you imagine something, you're not not making it up. You're agreeing with something big. When you have a big idea, it's because it's bigger than you, bigger than your ego. That's why you know we've talked about that Joseph Campbell hero story. How we tell the same story independent of space and time. When Twitter came out, did you know that there was like seven or eight other people trying to do the same thing that Twitter did? There's no new ideas. Agree with something. Decide what you need to agree. Decide what you need to get through. Decide what your currency is. You know that word currency? You use it to get through the day. What do you do to get through the day? What's your currency? Because there are some things that some people do to get through the day ain't so healthy, don't work so well. Some people exchange misery. Some people exchange scar stories. Some people exchange self-abuse. Oh, I'm no good, and that's how I get through this conversation. Great. Where does that get us? What's your currency? When I was a kid, I was about eight years old, I decided I was going to run away from home. They didn't understand me. And I didn't know how to do it. I know I needed money. I didn't know what I was going to do to get a job. I thought about a paper route, but I was scared about that. I didn't really know how to cross the street yet, so this was going to be problematic. But I remembered that in my room, in my closet, on my shelf was a Monopoly game, and there's thousands of dollars in there. I got all of that money. I put it in a Ziploc bag, and I hit the road. Didn't get far. Because as it turns out, no one else cares about Parker Brothers' money. You have currency that may or may not actually work. There are things that people think they need to do to get through the day, to get through their life, to get through that relationship that is counterfeit. What do you do? To get through the day because that word currency has to do with a current a flow what keeps you in the flow and that word currency has to do with the current moment what keeps you in the now people have been watching that marie kondo show what's it called clean up your damn room what's it called i don't know what it's called the life-changing magic of cleaning something anyway you know the one. If you haven't seen it, you've heard about it. You should see it. It's a great show. The idea is that this lady comes to your house and she says a prayer. She blesses your home. Maybe the theology is different, but who cares? She blesses your home and then she has you take all of your stuff, like all your clothes, put it on the bed. And you're going to hold every item of clothing and ask yourself does this spark joy? And if the answer is yes, you get to keep it. And if the answer is no, goodwill. Does this spark joy? And it's a great way to clean your house. Now, we're not going to even talk about the, the idea that in some cultures they don't have pants. And here we are, I need an expert to come and ask me if my pants spark joy. We'll talk about that later. But right now, that's a pretty good test. Does this spark joy? Can you do that with your relationship? Can you do that with your job? Hold up your job and say, does this spark joy? Because if it doesn't, you are making the world worse by putting more misery in it. I don't care how much you get paid. If this relationship doesn't spark joy, you are making the world worse by putting more misery in it. It doesn't matter how good it looks that you are a, you know, Warden June Cleaver. Does it spark joy? Does it take me outside of time? When Miles was about three, he was, he was Batman. We were playing, me and Miles, and he had his outfit on. He had his cape and his utility belt. And he and I were fighting crime. And we were making a huge mess because, you know, omelets and eggs. And I'll tell you, man, I, I was so happy to just be Robin to his Batman. I'll be Commissioner Gordon. Gordon, I'll be Alfred Pennyworth the butler. I'll be Batgirl. I don't even care. I just want to be in the room with you while you're fighting crime. You know that moment when your little one, some little person in your life is doing that thing and you just want to be a part of it? And we fought crime and we beat the bad guys. No problem. Gotham City is safe again. We're all good. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Miles did the heavy lifting there, but I love that moment when children are outside of time. You know what I mean? When you're true to something that you're programmed for. But as the adult, it was my job to say, okay, uh, Batman, it's time to get done. We need to clean this up, and we got to go somewhere else and do something else. It's time to clean up. And my son looked at me with his cape and his cowl on when I said, it's time to clean up, and he said, but I'm Batman What do you say to that? Batman didn't clean stuff up. That's not how this works. And I just couldn't bring myself to have him not be Batman anymore. Because what he was trying to say is, within me is this heroic quality. Within me, I'm bigger than my body. Within me is this amazing awesomeness that is not interested in these little moments. So we cleaned up later. And me and Batman went to the store. That's what was important there. You know, we're told to be as a little child. What does that mean? Is it that we're supposed to have a close relationship with Clearasil once again? What does it mean? It's not about the outer things. It's not about whether or not you were able to throw the touchdown pass in 1982. It's not about that Uncle Rico moment. It's about understanding that as a child, you are in touch with something pure. Can you get back to that? Instead of getting back to a time, can you get back to an idea? People think that their life is something that they just watch like it's on a screen or on a pane of glass. That they just step back and watch things happen to them. And they wait for something good to happen someday. But we talk about seeing things like God sees them. And if God is outside of time, it's not happening on a screen. It's not a piece of glass. To God, your life is like a diamond with all of those little facets happening all at once. To God, it's just right now. If you want to have your life change, understand that God is happening right now. That there's no more waiting for God. That God's been waiting for you the whole time. Right now, that moment when you were born the victory of the first time you tied your shoes, the moment when you could run fast, the moment when you figured something out, the moment when you graduated from something or fell in love with somebody, the moment when you triumphed and you signed the paper and you did the thing and somebody clapped, the moment when you got over it. In God, it is happening right now. I don't know what you're going through. It might be that it feels like time and space is not your friend But that can't define you. Every victory you've ever had in the past and every victory you're ever going to have, that moment that you've been praying for all along is happening right now. If you want your miracle to happen, get done with waiting. There's something you can do right now to change everything right now. It's time for you to stop waiting and it's time for you to get free. Because after all, freedom is a choice. Thank you very much. This is Dieter Randolph, and I just want to thank you for listening to that Sunday lesson, and I want to thank you for being part of our virtual church family. If you'd like to know more about what we're doing at Water and Stone Church, the easiest thing to do is go to our website, waterandstonechurch.com. There's all kinds of amazing content. There's blog posts and videos and other episodes of this podcast and just all kinds of great things. And especially there's a calendar of events. We're always doing amazing uh, service projects in the community, all kinds of classes and services. Go to our website and find out how you can be a part of it. You can also text I am ready to 84576. That's all one word I A M R E A D Y to 84576. It's a great way to get a once a week message about what we're up to. That's how we do our newsletter and special events and stuff like that. It's a great way to be in the loop. This podcast and everything that we do at Water and Stone is supported by you. And what that means is. There's a lot of little things you can do to help us keep the lights on around here. If you go to the website, once again, waterandstonechurch.com, you can find out how to give electronically. You can find out how to shop at Amazon in such a way that benefits the church at no extra cost to you. Really and truly, though, the best way to support what we're doing is to help spread the word. Repost this tweet it, like it on Facebook, find our social media accounts on Instagram and Twitter. We've got two amazing YouTube channels. Go find those and like and subscribe and share. That's huge for us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, iTunes or whatever, please give us a five-star review. That really helps as well. But at the end of the day... There's nothing like being there with us in person. Come join us at 11 a.m. every Sunday at the beautiful Harbor Hall. That's part of the University of South Florida's St. Pete campus. The street address is 1000 Third Street South in St. Petersburg, Florida. Every Sunday at 11 a.m. there is a sense of family, a feeling of community, an uplifting lesson, music like you've never heard anywhere, and a life-changing message. It's time for a new life for you and a new world for all of us.